Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. Thank you for listening. This is a place where I talk about biohacking and my own health journey and everything I'm kind of into in terms of wellness and nutrition and everything like that. I release two episodes a week, so if this is your first time listening, I usually do more of a Q&A or a personal episode on Tuesdays, and then Friday is typically my interview day, and we are sticking with that today. So before I dive in, I want to do a shout out to the sponsors of this week. AG1, thank you so much. I take this every single day. This is AG1 Athletic Greens. I think most people have actually heard about this product at this point. They're kind of everywhere. They're all over TikTok. And I I really like their powder. I do. I was kind of like skeptical before I tried it because like I said, it was everywhere and I didn't really think it might be that great. When something is so heavily promoted, sometimes I'm kind of like, I don't know, suspect about it, but I was actually really impressed. I take a scoop every single day. I add it to my shaker cup and I love how refreshing it tastes. It's got a bunch of ingredients in it and it really just covers your basis. I have a very good friend who this is like the only supplement she takes She is not the healthiest person, let's say, and she will take this and that's it. (laughs) And she feels like she's making a difference by taking this. And I completely agree. And I really see how a lot of people can think that. So they cover your bases. There's a ton of vitamins, minerals, enzymes in there, probiotics. And so if you are only going to take one thing, I would argue that AG1 Athletic Greens is the thing to take. They are linked on my website, in my show notes, and my discount code is biohackingbrittany, and feel free to try it out. I definitely recommend it. They also have like small pouches that you can travel with, and I do this, especially on planes, because I don't know, it's kind of hard to get nutrients in when you're traveling. So that is AG1, and then shout out to Bioptimizers. I actually just gave some of my friends some of their digestive enzymes. A friend of mine, again... (laughs) different friend, but she's having some bloating issues. And we were talking about gut health. And I just said to her, like, you don't necessarily need to change your diet or anything like that. But if you are going to eat these certain foods, let's just kind of minimize the blow on the body and the negative impact that it can have. And so digestive enzymes do that. They help break down your food. So especially for things like lactose or gluten or other grains and sugars and things that we kind of struggle with, digestive enzymes are really that catalyst for easier digestion. So I love them. Again, they're on my website, biohackingbrittany.com, and you can check them out there. My discount code is biohackingbrittany. Okay, let's dive into this episode. I am really excited about this. I have not talked about the placenta on my podcast. Of course not. Why would I have done that? (laughs) I am not pregnant. I'm not even trying right now. So this is not something that has been really in my mind a lot. However, I got a message on Instagram last week and it really, really made me think. And so I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about eating your placenta. And yeah, this is the the point of this is to be a resource for you. I'm not going to necessarily tell you what you should do. I'm just going to give you the information and then you can make up your own mind and do what's best for you. So let's start off first and foremost by reading the message 
that she sent me. So, you know, I talk on Instagram, I talk a lot about my preconception health journey. I'm doing a lot of cleansing. I'm doing a lot of detoxing and I talk a lot about it because I'm very open. And so she was sharing with me about her own journey and and whatnot. And then I asked her, I was like, did you eat your placenta? And then she, this is what she wrote. So she said that she didn't and that she was thinking about it, but then she found some sort of post that basically said that you shouldn't. And so this is what she wrote. She wrote, I know it works great for some people, but the risk of losing my milk slash dipping in supply was something I personally wasn't willing to risk. It's kind of pricey. So I didn't want to spend the money to get it capsulated for it not to work for me. I also wonder if the people who report less baby blues and other benefits from eating their placenta were eating animal organ meats. Like, could you get the benefits of placenta from another organ source without introducing progesterone, estrogen, toxins back into your body? If you end up eating yours down the line, I'd be curious to hear how it goes for you. So lots of questions in there. You know, we're going to unpack all of it. And I said to her, I was like, I'm going to cover this on the podcast because this is so juicy. (laughs) And I really want to find out the answers myself to these questions. And obviously the disclaimer here is two things. One, like I said, I'm not pregnant. I am not trying. I have not eaten placenta. So this is very much coming from a place of curiosity as a biohacker and as somebody who's in the health space, as a nutritionist, that's where this is coming from. And two, again, I am not an expert in placentas <laughs> or I do not have my own placenta encapsulating company. That's not what I do at all. So that are those are my uh, disclaimers for this episode. Okay, so I really wanted to start off with actually the history of eating your placenta because this is actually gaining popularity again every year in North America. So in Canada and the States. And I think it kind of dipped for a while there and now it's back. And it could very much be because of the benefits and how it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a wellness trend, but it is kind of becoming a trend in the health and wellness space. So I was curious, like, how did this even first get started? What is the original culture that this came from? Like what part of the world, what culture, when? And so I'm going to kind of read to you what I found. So the first one is not surprising, traditional Chinese medicine. So when you eat your placenta as the mother, it's actually called placentophagy, placentophagy. So that if you hear me say that, that's just what that means. So placentophagy has been a part of traditional Chinese medicine for centuries. In TCM, the placenta is considered a valuable source of qi, which is like vital energy. And jing, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but jing, which is essence. It is believed that consuming the placenta can help replenish these energies, promote postpartum recovery, and support hormonal balance. The placenta may be prepared by steaming, drying, and then powdered for encapsulation or used in soups or stews. The second place that we see this in our history, in the world's history, is the Mayan and Aztec cultures. In ancient Mesoamerican civilizations like the Maya and Aztecs, the placenta held significant cultural and spiritual importance. It was considered sacred and symbolized 
the connection between the mother, the baby, and the earth. The placenta was often buried buried <laughs> near a tree or another meaningful location, reflecting the belief that it would provide nourishment and protect, protection for the child's future. The third, Native American traditions. Various Native American tribes have diverse beliefs and practices related to the placenta. For some tribes, the placenta is considered the baby's companion and spiritual sibling. Oh, Burying the placenta in a specific location, such as near a significant plant or water, water source, is believed to ensure the child's connection to their homeland, provide spiritual protection, and promote a harmonious relationship with nature. Wow. African cultures. Placentophagy has been observed in several African cultures with specific rituals and beliefs associated with the placenta. In some traditions, the placenta is buried under a tree to bless the child and establish a connection to their ancestral spirits. Consuming the placenta is believed to provide strength and nourishment to the mother, aiding her postpartum recovery. This is really, really cool. I think there's like definitely some common themes that we can see here about the building the strength in the mother and building the connection between the mother and the baby. We also, it also talks, you know, the, the various cultures also talk about burying it in certain places, like near a tree or by water or a plant to really, you know, build that connection between the homeland, provide spiritual protection and promote a harmonious relationship with nature. So it's, it's cool that regardless of what culture this may have originated from in the very beginning, like who even knows where it came from. And like, I don't even know how you might prove that, to be honest, but it's cool that with these four different cultures and traditions, we can really see common themes throughout it. So it's not just one place came up with this idea and then the world kind of followed. It really is rooted in different places. And I I love that. All right. Now I want to talk about the benefits. So I'm going to go through all of the benefits. I'm going to go through all of the cons essentially. And then I'm going to go through the different ways that you can actually consume your placenta, how much it costs, how often you should do it and that type of thing, more like logistics. But let's start with the benefits that most people talk about. So when you see Instagram posts or people talking about this on TikTok, whatever, this is kind of the thing that everybody is saying. And then I will afterwards also compare it to other organ meats and we can kind of understand and find out if you can get the benefits from other organ meats that you can get from eating your placenta. So let's start with the benefits, like I said. So the first one, this is really, really important. So nutritional content. The placenta contains various nutrients that are beneficial for the body. It is rich in iron, which can help replenish iron stores after childbirth, potentially reducing the risk of postpartum anemia. It also contains protein, which is essential for tissue repair and recovery. Additionally, it contains vitamins B6 and B12, which are important for energy production and nervous system functioning. The second one, Hormonal balance. The placenta produces hormones during pregnancy, including progesterone and estrogen. Proponents of placentophagy suggest that consuming the placenta can help restore hormonal balance in the postpartum period, 
potentially reducing the risk of postpartum depression and improving overall mood. However, there's limited scientific evidence to support this claim. The third, increased milk production. Some individuals believe that consuming the placenta can enhance milk production and improve breastfeeding outcomes. They claim that the hormones present in the placenta, such as prolactin, oxytocin, and corticotropin-releasing hormone, can stimulate milk production. However, there isn't that much scientific evidence on this either, and obviously there's other factors that matter here, like proper latch, frequent nursing, and adequate hydration. The fourth one is traditional beliefs. I kind of already talked about this, but placentophagy has been practiced in various cultures for centuries, often associated with traditional beliefs and ceremonies. For example, again, like I said, in some Native American and Chinese cultures, the placenta is considered sacred and is believed to provide spiritual or medicinal benefits when consumed. So some more benefits, hormonal regulation. Placenta also contains hormones such as estrogen, progesterone, and oxytocin. So these proponents can really help with hormonal levels after childbirth. And again, like helping balance out hormones and postpartum depression. The next one is pain relief. Some individuals believe that consuming the placenta can help alleviate postpartum pain and discomfort. It is thought that the hormones and natural opioids present in the placenta could provide pain relieving effects. However, again, this evidence is very anecdotal and there's not a lot of scientific studies on this. And then the last one is energy and vitality. Advocates of placentophagy claim that consuming the placenta can provide a boost of energy and promote overall vitality during the postpartum period. They suggest that the nutrients and hormones present in the placenta can help combat fatigue and support physical recovery after childbirth. So yeah, which is very interesting just related to like the history of it. I like before we dive into the cons, I think these benefits are really interesting. You know, when I did my research, these were kind of the common things that I found. And I think there's a lot to be said here. I think the things that really stand out for me is the nutrient dense part of it. All organs are nutrient dense, essentially. So this doesn't really surprise me that it can help with iron and anemia, vitamins B6, B12, high in protein. Like none of that really surprises me. And I think that is a very, I think that's a very good reason to consume it in the first place. The hormonal balance, I think is interesting because the woman who wrote to me on Instagram said that what she heard was that because it has the hormones in it, this can reduce milk supply, whereas my research actually showed the opposite, saying that because there is the progesterone and estrogen in it, this can really help with hormonal balance postpartum, reducing postpartum depression and overall mood. But then also the hormones prolactin, oxytocin, and corticotropin releasing hormone can stimulate milk production. So I find this interesting and I think it actually makes sense that the hormones in it would be helpful for producing milk production and would be helpful for mood. So I can kind of understand this part. And then I think a really, really big benefit here is like, for me, the other one that stands out is the connection, like the spiritual aspect. I think it's interesting that 
like I, when I was reading through the history of it, like the connection between baby placenta and mom is so significant that I think consuming it really just solidifies that connection in a way that I don't think is necessarily there when eating other foods, when eating other organ meats at all. Now, mind you, like you can't really prove that, right? Again, this is all what you believe and what you think happens and how you view it all happening and how you view your baby developing and your placenta and everything like that. But I know for me, I think if I were to do this and I were to, you know, let's say encapsulate the placenta and then keep it in the freezer and take it every day, I know that it would feel significant in my life to do that compared to just taking a supplement. Like it would feel like there is is a spiritual connection to this organ that I grew in my body that came out with my baby and now I am re-consuming it. Like I, I just find that really fascinating and I think that's really special, I guess. And I just don't see how you could have that feeling with anything else. Are you tired of feeling out of sync with your body's natural rhythm? Do you struggle with menstrual cycle-related issues like fatigue, mood swings, and bloating? If you're looking to optimize your health and well-being, look no further than the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide. This comprehensive guide is designed to help you better understand and work with your menstrual cycle so you can improve your energy levels, reduce PMS symptoms, and gain a deeper understanding of your body. With in-depth information on each phase of the menstrual cycle, you'll learn how to adjust your diet, exercise routine, and self-care practices to better align with your body's needs. One of the biggest benefits of the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide is its user-friendly format. The guide is easy to follow and provides clear instructions on how to optimize your health throughout each phase of your cycle. Plus, it's packed with valuable information and insights that you won't find anywhere else. So whether you're a seasoned biohacker or you're just starting out, the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide is the perfect tool to help you optimize your health and live in harmony with your body's natural rhythm. And with my expertise and guidance, you can trust that you're getting the best information and advice available. So why wait? Head over to biohackingbrittany.com to get your copy of the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide and start living your best life today. Okay. That's the benefits. Let's talk about the cons and kind of the risks involved in this. So obviously kind of like a little bit mentioned during the benefits, there's limited scientific evidence on some of these claims. Despite the growing interest, there is a lack of rigorous scientific studies to support the benefits. Most available evidence consists of self-reported experiences and anecdotal accounts. Without well-designed studies, it is challenging to draw definitive conclusions about the actual benefits or potential risks. The second one, potential health risks. The placenta acts as a filter during pregnancy, protecting the fetus from harmful substances. However, it can also accumulate toxins, heavy metals, and waste products. By consuming the placenta, there's a potential risk of ingesting these substances, which may have adverse effects on your health. Additionally, improper handling, processing, or storage of the placenta can lead to bacterial contamination, posing a risk of infection. The next one, inefficiency of nutrient absorption. 
The digestive system breaks down food into smaller components for absorption and utilization by the body. It is unclear how effectively the nutrients in the placenta can be absorbed and utilized through digestion. Some argue that the nutrients may be broken down to a point where their absorption and biological activity are limited. The next one, ethical considerations. Placentophagy raises ethical concerns for some individuals. The placenta is a vital organ that plays a crucial role in supporting the baby's development and well-being during pregnancy. Some argue that it should be respected as part of the baby's life support system and not treated as food. Ethical considerations also arise from the commercialization or commodification of human tissue. Next. And by the way, there's the same amount of benefits to there are cons that I wrote out. I think there's about eight for each. Lack of regulation and quality control. The consumption of placenta is not regulated in many countries, and there are no standardized guidelines for its preparation, handling, or storage. This lack of regulation increases the risk of bacterial contamination, which can lead to infections or other health issues. It is essential to ensure proper hygiene and safe preparation methods if considering placentophagy. Allergic reactions and sensitivities. Some individuals may have allergic reactions or sensitivities to certain components of the placenta, such as proteins or other substances. These reactions can range from mild to severe and may include symptoms like itching, hives, swelling, or difficulty breathing. If you have a history of allergies or sensitivities, it is important to exercise caution and consult with a healthcare professional. Digestive discomfort. Consuming the placenta in raw or improperly cooked form may cause digestive discomfort, including nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. The human digestive system may not be equipped to efficiently break down and digest placental tissue, potentially leading to gastrointestinal issues. Proper cooking or processing methods are crucial to minimize the risk of digestive problems. The last one, false expectations and placebo effect. The reported benefits associated with the placentophagy are often based on personal anecdotes and subjective experiences. It is important to note that the placebo effect where a perceived benefit is attributed to the act of consumption rather than the actual properties of the placenta may play a role in the reported positive outcomes. It is challenging to separate the placebo effect from the actual physiological effects of consuming the placenta without rigorous scientific studies. So many big words. (laughs) This is very interesting. I think, so things that stand out for me here, like I said, like I did with benefits is a couple of things. I think something that stood out was ethical considerations. So ethical considerations also arise from the commercialization or commodification of human tissue. This is a very interesting point of view. I've actually, uh, I don't want to get into this, but I've actually seen TikTok videos about placentas in hospitals being sold to other people. We'll just leave it at that and why they're doing that. And that's not what this podcast is about. So if you are curious, go on TikTok and you will be down a rabbit hole and see what that's about. So I'm not saying I believe that. Do I think that that has probably happened in the history of humankind? Yes, for sure. 
But do I think that that is a practice that happens often? I don't know enough. I also, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think commodification of human tissue. I don't know if I necessarily have an issue with this because it's mine, you know, like it technically I grew it myself. So why would I not be able to consume it? I mean, yes, you do have to pay for the process of it. If you are encapsulating it there, there's work to be done there. It needs to be dried. It needs to be put into capsules, all of that type of thing. You need an expert to do it. So that's kind of what you're paying for. You're not necessarily paying for your own placenta, I guess. So I don't really agree with that part. However, I can see how people do. And I think there is a big, 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 big issue if there are people out there selling other people's. And that goes that goes along with <laughs> selling other people's organs in general, regardless of what it is. I think that is obviously not okay. I think that, so that stands out a lot to me as a very, very interesting point of view. I think as well, something that stood out was that some people argue that the nutrients, when they're broken down, you actually can't absorb them and the biological activity is limited. You can actually say this about every single supplement. So if you take a vitamin C supplement, are you actually absorbing 100% of that vitamin C? And is it working in your body? Is the activity guaranteed? No, it's not. And no, you are not going to be able to consume and actually absorb 100% of the vitamin C supplement. So I think that that argument in my mind doesn't matter as much because I kind of feel like that with most supplements. So I don't know necessarily how, yeah, I don't think that would be a factor that would come into play in order for me not to do it. I think the biggest thing that I would be concerned about is the potential health risks of the toxins. Toxins, heavy metals, and waste products uh, being consumed, being absorbed into the placenta, and then you eating the placenta. That I think is valid. And I am going to actually look for a placenta encapsulator or somebody who's an expert in this field to bring them on because I would love to question a expert on that. Like I would love to hear what they say beyond like, Hey, this is a risk. Just be aware of it because that's kind of what I found in my research. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering like, are there enough toxins? Are there enough heavy metals and waste products for it to be an issue? Or do the benefits really outweigh the negatives here? So yeah, I'm very curious. My next partner I want to talk about is Athletic Greens. So I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every single day. And I first gave AG1 a try when I was traveling to Costa Rica. I really wanted something to support my gut health, boost my energy, keep my immune system in check, and really just support me while I was traveling and not home. I quickly fell in love with it. And now that I'm back in Canada, I still take it every single day. And I take it in the morning before I have any type of coffee. Typically, it's like the first thing I have in the morning. And it makes me feel just fantastic. I feel like I'm starting my day off on the right foot. I feel like I'm covering all of my nutrition needs right from the get-go, which is super important and such a healthier way to start than just having coffee on an empty stomach right away. So I just, I'm just obsessed with taking it and 
If you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free, wow, one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So those are the same travel packs that I took when I was flying. Go to athleticgreens.com slash biohacking with Brittany. That's athleticgreens.com slash biohacking with Brittany to check it out today. It's also linked in my show notes and on my website everywhere. Those are my list of benefits and cons and risks. I think it's really important to include both sides and include different points of view. Otherwise, it's just like my opinion. (laughs) It's just bias, which we don't want. I think that, you know, just going off of that and, you know, my, my level of understanding right now and my health values, I personally would probably encapsulate my placenta and take it. I think that, I think if I started to have a a reaction or I noticed something was off, I would potentially pause it. However, I really do support organ food and eating organs in general that I think it it's a great opportunity for that is kind of my opinion right now. However, it might change, but that's how, that's where I stand right now. Okay. So let's look at the different methods of consuming the placenta. If you want to do this and how can you take it daily? So the most common one is encapsulation, which I've kind of talked about. So placenta encapsulation involves processing the placenta into a powder form, which is then encapsulated into pills or capsules. The recommended dosage of placenta capsules can vary depending on the encapsulation specialist or provider. A common recommendation is to start with a daily dose of one to two capsules and gradually increase or decrease based on individual needs and responses. It is important to follow the specific instructions provided by the encapsulation specialist and consult with them regarding the recommended dosage for your situation. I think this is the easiest way to stomach this. I think it's the easiest way to get it in every single day and not worry about it. You don't have to worry about the taste. I've cooked other organ meat before. I've had heart, I've had liver. And a lot of them are, you know, like have a very distinct taste and you have to be really good at cooking them for them to taste good. And so I would not want to do that. I also think that it would be mentally weird for me to try and cook my placenta and eat it. I just think it would, I don't know. I I just think I would have this like barrier there to do that. But I also think that that is a reflection of how removed we are as a society from organ meats in general and from eating animals and different things like that in general. Like that is, you know, eating my own placenta and like cooking it in a smoothie or not smoothie, cooking it in a soup or something. Like I would feel that same way if I had to, you know, catch a fish out of the ocean and like cut its head off and make a soup out of that as well. Like I would feel that same way of like, oh, wow, this is like significant. And that is a reflection of the lack of the lack of hands-on approach I have had in my own personal life with food that I eat. So farming, hunting, killing animals, I have never really been exposed to that. And outside of like farmer's markets and like picking berries and yeah, I don't like none of my family owns farms and it's just not something I'm exposed to. So there's always kind of that barrier there for me. But it's never made me vegan or vegetarian because I think the benefits of animal foods in general are just too significant to be vegetarian or vegan. 
So encapsulation would be my only way that I would be willing to do this. I mean, unless I had some sort of drastic change of opinion, but there are other ways. So the second way is smoothies or juices. When consuming placenta in smoothies or juices, there are no specific guidelines for daily amounts. It is generally advised to start with a small amount, such as a small piece of raw placenta blended with other ingredients. Gradually increase the amounts if desired while monitoring for any potential reactions or effects. It is recommended to consult with a healthcare professional or a placenta encapsulation specialist for guidance on appropriate portion sizes and frequency. Yeah, this you would really have to, you would really, really need to talk to a specialist because you're eating it raw on a daily basis like that. Cooking, so you can obviously cook it. So when cooking placenta, there are no standard guidelines, again, for the daily amounts. The placenta can be incorporated into recipes in a variety of ways, such as thinly sliced or minced. The portion size and frequency of consumption can depend on personal preference and individual needs. It is important to ensure that the placenta is cooked thoroughly to minimize the risk of bacterial contamination. I I think this is like historically how it's been done is like either raw or like cooked in, in this way. And then tinctures. So placenta tinctures are typically consumed in small amounts, usually added to water or another beverage. The recommended dosage for placenta tinctures can vary, but a common guideline is to start with a few drops, 10 to 20 drops, diluted in water, taken a few times per day. Gradually adjust the dosage based on individual needs and responses. It is advisable to consult again with a professional. So that's kind of how people can do it. And then I do want to talk about the cost. I have it here. Okay. When I feel stressed or anxious, I find it challenging to fall asleep at night. My mind races with thoughts, making it hard to quiet my thoughts and relax enough to fall asleep. This often leads to a vicious cycle of sleep deprivation and heightened anxiety. I started using sleep breakthrough because I knew that deep sleep and REM sleep were more important for rejuvenation, fat burning, and muscle building. Now I feel like I'm getting the quality of sleep I need to support my overall health and fitness goals. I used to take over the counter melatonin products, but I realized that they can be dangerous and lead to dependence and a sleep hangover. Since switching to Sleep Breakthrough, I've been able to naturally produce melatonin without any negative side effects or dependency concerns. I found that optimal sleep really is the foundation for success, both personally and professionally. Since incorporating Sleep Breakthrough into my routine, I've noticed a significant improvement in my overall well-being and performance. You will not get addicted to sleep breakthrough, which is one of my favorite parts about it. And it is a all natural formula, which provides the body with the precursors to melatonin and the necessary molecules to produce it naturally. It is a natural formula, which is fantastic. If you're struggling with sleep, I highly recommend giving sleep breakthrough a try. It's truly a game changer. You can go to www sleepbreakthrough.com slash Britney and use my promo code biohackingbritney during checkout to save 10%. So that is also linked on my shop and in my podcast show notes for you to check out and start sleeping better today.
So obviously the encapsulation is the most expensive way to do this. So the class of placenta consumption can vary, depends on location, method of preparation, and additional services. On average, the cost for placenta encapsulation can range from $150 to $400. That's U.S. It is important to note that the cost can include collection, processing, delivery, stuff like that. When I looked, I'm in Canada, Vancouver, Canada. When I looked here, just briefly, I saw one company that does it for about $300 Canadian, and she does all of the driving associated with it as well. So she, I guess her and her team come and pick it up wherever you give birth, like a hospital, something like that. They take it to their lab, they encapsulate it, and then they bring it back to your house. Like it's, you're like completely hands off. And then, so that's 300. And then if you don't want that and you want to do all the driving yourself, I think it's 220. So, I mean, there, there are options there. And I guess I would say that it is kind of expensive, you know, I, like if you look at it from a standpoint of a supplement, yeah, it's expensive, of course. It's $300, right? And my question to would be to a specialist would be like, how many am I getting out of this? So if I'm having one to two a day on the average placenta, like how many can you make? I would assume it's probably, it's probably about a three months worth, maybe four months worth is what I would assume. Again, this is probably something I would still do at $300 just because I think it would be worth it. And I I really do value organ meats. However, again, like that's, you don't have to do that. (laughs) Just because I'm doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Okay. Let's talk about a couple of the other questions that were in this initial DM that this woman sent me. So can eating your placenta reduce your milk supply? Obviously, we kind of talked about how it actually can increase your supply, but let's see what else I found. There is currently limited scientific evidence to support the claim that eating the placenta can increase or decrease milk supply. Some proponents of placentophagy suggest that consuming the placenta can enhance milk production and improve breastfeeding outcomes, while others believe it may reduce milk supply. However, the available research is largely anecdotal. Breast milk production is primarily influenced by hormonal and physiological factors, as well as frequent and effective breastfeeding or pumping. Hormones such as prolactin and oxytocin play central roles in milk production and let down reflex. While the placenta does produce hormones that support pregnancy, it is uncertain whether consuming the placenta can directly affect milk supply. If you are concerned about your milk supply or experiencing difficulties breastfeeding, it is recommended to consult with a lactation consultant and they can give you, you know, personalized advice. So again, it seems with this specific question, it seems like everyone's kind of 50-50 on it. It seems like it's a lot of like anecdotal evidence compared to rigorous scientific studies and which doesn't surprise me at all and actually doesn't necessarily mean I don't value what people are saying. It can kind of make sense like how if you were to eat it, it would actually reduce your milk supply because then your body is confused and has these extra hormones in it. And then why would it produce as much supply? I can understand that whole thinking, but then I can also understand how consuming the estrogen and progesterone and the other hormones can actually be really great for you know, baby blues, like she was talking about and, you know, stress management and these other things that are important as well. So I'm a little 50, 50 on this. 
And then I looked at her other question, which I thought was interesting of like getting the benefits from other organ meats that you can get from the placenta. I don't think that you can. So let's kind of see what I said. So the specific benefits attributed to eating the placenta are not necessarily replicated by consuming other organ meats. The placenta is a unique organ that develops during pregnancy and serves specific functions related to fetal nourishment and hormone production. While organ meats such as liver can offer valuable nutrients, they do not possess the same composition or potential benefits as a placenta. The placenta contains a combination of hormones, proteins, and nutrients that are distinct from those found in other organ meats. Some proponents of placentophagy suggest that consuming the placenta may help with postpartum recovery, hormone balance, and milk production. However, you know, scientific evidence is, is limited. While organ meats can provide various vitamins, minerals, and other beneficial nutrients, their effects on postpartum recovery, hormonal regulation, and milk supply have not been extensively studied or compared to those of the placenta. The specific composition and potential benefits of the placenta may not be replicated by other organ meats. I would agree with a lot of this. I think that. I think the placenta is unique in its composition of hormones, proteins, and nutrients. And I think that, like I said, in all of this, like, I just don't think you can necessarily replicate those benefits. And what I said previously is the spiritual aspect. I definitely don't think you can replicate. I think there is something energetically to, to consuming your own placenta versus consuming liver, you know, like liver from a cow, like that just hits different for lack of better words. It just hits different. And so I think there is something to be said about that. However, I can see, again, I can see the train of thought of like organ meats, nutrient dense, let me get the benefits. But I just think there are distinct benefits and even distinct risks to the placenta that other organs do not have. Okay. I just find this really interesting. So as I was talking about this, I was thinking, is eating your placenta vegan? Now you might automatically be like, okay, yes, it is. No, it isn't. You might like right away have an answer to that, but let's actually dig into what people say because yeah, I'm just going to dig into it and we can, I'll share my opinion after. So the question of whether eating the placenta is considered vegan is a subject of debate within the vegan community. Veganism is a lifestyle and philosophy. I love that as a lifestyle. Vegan is a lifestyle and philosophy that seeks to avoid the use and exploitation of animals as much as possible, including in food choices. As the placenta is a byproduct of a human birth and not sourced from animals raised for food production, some individuals argue that consuming one's own placenta aligns with vegan principles. However, Others argue that veganism extends beyond avoiding direct harm to animals and encompasses a broader ethical perspective. They believe that consuming any animal-derived product, even if it comes from one's own body, goes against the principles of veganism. This perspective views the placenta as belonging to the baby and not the mother, considering it is an animal product and therefore not vegan. Ultimately, whether eating the placenta is considered vegan or not can depend on an individual's personal interpretation and adherence to vegan principles. It is advisable for vegans to reflect on their own beliefs and consult with others. 
to form an understanding of the issue. Oof, spicy. I feel like I understand both arguments here. I really do. I understand that the placenta is a byproduct of human birth and it's not sourced from animals raised for food and therefore it aligns. I actually also understand the other side, you know, like it it makes sense that even though it comes from your own body, it is, it belongs to the baby and not the mother. And it's more of an ethical issue in terms of eating it and it not being directly harmful to animals, but kind of is. I get it. I really do get it. I think if you are vegan or vegetarian listening to this, you probably already have your own opinion and your own understanding. And I think that's totally fair. And I would just say, do what you think is best for you. I think this is kind of like a gray area, to be honest. I, yeah, that's, that's kind of the category that I would be, put it in. Like, it's quite a, it's quite a gray area. And then it also just makes me think of other things as well. Like other human body <laughs> fluids or things that someone might consume that might not be vegan or is it vegan is just very interesting in general concept I have not thought about too much except for this. So this is like a ton of information. This is more than I knew before researching this as somebody who is just at the very beginning of preconception and cleansing and detoxing and everything like that. And I hope this provided a lot of information for you. The overall opinion that I have is that I would probably do this and I would probably speak to an expert before finalizing my decision. And I think you should do what's best for you. That is in in alignment with your values and your own ethical considerations and your community as well. You might be listening to this and you might know everybody, every woman who does it in your community and your culture, because that's normal for you. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's great. That means you have a ton of people around you and a ton of resources who can really guide you in this way. Maybe they have special recipes and maybe they have special traditions and practices that they do with the placenta as well. And I think that's really beautiful. However, if this is something new to you and you don't kind of have this around you, I really hope that you have a better understanding of it now. And I would really encourage you to do your own research. There's books, there's podcast episodes, there's so much out there. So take some time, do some research, and then kind of see where you land on this. If you are trying to balance your hormones and cycle sync and optimize each phase of your cycle, I do have a guide that you can download. It's on my website. It's called the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide. Go check it out. It's fantastic. It's a must if you're listening to this episode. It's a must because understanding your menstrual cycle and hormones is pivotal before looking at preconception and fertility and pregnancy and everything like that. Like You have to really grasp your menstrual cycle before you can get there. You don't have to, but that would be my recommendation. And it's really going to equip you with the knowledge and the recipes. Honestly, there's a ton of recipes in there and resources to be at a healthier state. So that's on my website, biohackingbrittany.com. Thank you for listening this week. This was a really fun topic to explore. I hope it really got your gears going and stay tuned for another episode coming on Friday. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, 
which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.